hi and welcome to the Enigma podcast series. Join us as we explore the world of neurodiversity by speaking to those affected, sharing lived experiences for the benefit of everyone. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is not medical advice, it's opinions only, so please speak to a medical professional if you're affected by any of these things. I'm your host Simon Macon, and amongst other things I have dyspraxia. So sometimes my elocution might not be great and I may jump in and talk over people. It's not me being rude, it's just me being me, which I guess is why you're here. So another exciting podcast, this is episode two, and today we are speaking to Xanthi Palmer, the presenter and producer who recently did a documentary about neurodiversity for BBC Sheffield. So welcome, Xanthi, to our podcast, uh, the Enigma podcast. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So I, I think one of the, the things that I'd like to listeners to to, to hear about is about you yourself because we've talked and you have uh, dyspraxia like me how how you came about to understand that what was sort of like growing up I've always struggled at school I've always felt like different I think is the best word yeah. and I always felt like I was working a lot harder than everyone else to get just the basics right which is very exhausting and when you're in school it's quite you feel a bit embarrassed because it's like oh, why am I not as you know quick as everyone else Um but yeah, so when I got to university, I thought, I'm going to take advantage of the fact you can get tested for free in a university, yep. which as an adult, you don't have that luxury and it's quite expensive yeah. to get tested, which is obviously a, a big issue because it means a lot of people don't just have sort of five to seven hundred pounds in the back pocket um, to go and get tested. And as an adult, there's not a lot you can do about it at that point. There's so not. there's probably exactly, and there's probably a lot of people for that reason that are undiagnosed. Yep. Or performed like a self-diagnosis. So for for me, it was more about doing lots of online tests and getting that sort of self-diagnosis and really understanding, yeah, I'm different, but uh, I don't want to pay £700 for somebody to tell me that because I can tell. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Um, And I think once I got that diagnosis, everything just made so much more sense. And as you just said yourself, you know, once you start doing that research and you start listening to other people's stories, it all clicks in. You think, oh, wow, this is this is me. This is why I am yep. the way that I am. Yep. And I, I think that's quite a nice sort of feeling because one of the things that I found, particularly speaking like with yourself and I spoke to Angela recently, the only two people I've met with dyspraxia is that I wasn't alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd never met anybody with dyspraxia. Um, until I was actually until I did the documentary about it so I'd never actually spoken to anybody in person or you know had a direct conversation with anyone about it so you do feel very isolated and I imagine that's the same for you know any learning difficulty or disability you do feel like in your own head and it's like what oh what is this why am I so different and it's so frustrating and can be really really challenging particularly as I mentioned you know in school is, is a very difficult space to be in with a learning difficulty, particularly when it's undiagnosed. And then, you know, in, in your adult life as well, in work. Yeah, I think it's that I, I always knew I was different uh, and I guess I kind of accepted that, but I had to go through like, quite a few sort of challenges m- myself to, to get that acceptance from people around me sometimes. You mentioned... Uh, documentary there which is a great word to pick up because you are uh, a presenter and producer which is 
an amazing uh, thing. So people listening out there who probably maybe quite young or maybe just sort of starting out in their careers, uh, how did you get into that sort of presenting, producing, and then the, the documentary? So I got into radio when I was quite young, actually, completely by accident. So I was 14, and when um, you're in secondary school, I think they still do this now. I feel really old saying that. Um, but <laughs> they ask you to pick, like, a two-week work experience placement. Yeah. And a lot of people in my class, you know, wanted to work in retail or somewhere cool. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that, because I know when I leave school, I'm probably going to have to get a job there. So I want to do something weird and wonderful, something a bit different. But I didn't know what to do, and my form tutor was like, well, why don't you try this uh, community radio station? And I was like, yeah, great shout, Peter. So um, that's basically where it all started. I then went to college, got three A-levels there, and then went to university and did broadcast journalism, so that's where I got my diagnosis from. And, yeah, it kind of just snowballed from there, and I started working at my local radio station, BBC Radio Sheffield, and I met my lovely friend, who is now my friend, um, Steve Bailey, who um, produced and wrote the documentary, My Dyspraxic Life, which kind of explores the life of somebody with dyspraxia and the people around them as well and what it means and what it's like to live with. Yeah, and that must have been quite a journey in itself. Did you find that sort of pulling on your heartstrings a bit? Absolutely. It was. Um, it was quite a journey and it wasn't something that I appreciated yeah. till way afterwards which is quite daunting and anyone who works in radio or has ever presented anything you know I think when you're in it you don't yeah. realize what you're doing and you're just doing a task you perform you know you're performing a task you're doing your job and after we'd recorded it and it was getting closer and closer to the day it was going to be released I felt really emotional because I was like, oh my God, this is actually really exposing. And as confident as I was before, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's talk about it, no problem. You actually yeah. feel, as I say, really exposed with something like that going out there. Because what you've got to remember is when you're talking about something that's personal, no matter what it is, it's quite yeah. unarming to speak about it. And for me, my the things that I liked and still like the least about myself are usually yep. or tend to be quite related to dyspraxia. So by you feel like you are revealing the worst yeah, parts yeah. of you, basically. Yep. You feel shy, you feel embarrassed. You know, you, the attention is like, oh, actually, that's quite overwhelming. Um, didn't really expect to feel like this. As great as it was to go through, you know, to go through that journey and have it out there, which I was obviously so proud of and happy with, part of me was like, Oh gosh, this is this is actually quite a lot it, for me. And very emotional as well with things like that where I've been exposed and I've, I've talked a lot about my dyspraxia uh, to people is that fear of rejection or or perhaps as well unacceptance because one of the, the most common things I kind of get is but that's just you that's not dyspraxia that's just you you are that so but but yeah that's what that is uh, yeah for example I mean I'm quite clumsy so in terms of I injure myself quite often that's fairly regular uh, and it's because of that that feedback <laughs> that yeah, feedback mechanism is not relate. working to allow me to control myself when I'm concentrated on a on a task and uh, I get really upset when people just think that I, I'm rushing things and loved ones this is uh, and that I'm some kind of clumsy idiot and I, f I take that to heart sometimes Yeah, and you know the worst thing, one of the things that just 
it sort of really does annoy me but also I try not to get mad about it is when people say oh well oh, my memory's really bad as well yeah. I think I might have got dyspraxia and you just think I'm not saying they haven't because yeah. there is who am I I'm not a doctor I can't diagnose somebody or rule something out but you almost think you are actually disregarding my yeah my dyspraxia my learning difficulty as if it's kind of just a little one little trait yeah and it's almost like gaslighting it isn't it that that there's that that it's just totally devaluing and particularly when you've put yourself on the line you've exposed yourself and then somebody to sort of devalue that in an instant uh can be quite a thing and i've I've had a few experiences of that which is interesting because normally before i came to terms with my dyspraxia i've been quite a tough exterior sort of person used to dealing with people that but when I found that letting that guard down to understand myself more like you you sort of said with your your documentary I find myself more exposed to or more vulnerable yeah absolutely and you know what I've learned to do is try and be a bit bit more confident in uh, in telling people because when you go into a situation where your dyspraxia shows up right and what I mean by that is let's say work in work yeah. you're required to be organised efficient etc depending on your role yeah and it's in those situations where you can really see dyspraxia at play and therefore I become self-conscious and I think right this person is going to twig that I am forgetting to perform this very simple task or I'm forgetting that instruction he gave me or da 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 and you may think that I'm being lazy or I'm not listening so I want to establish to this person that uh, the reason I might be like this at times is because of this. Just so you know, I'm just letting you know, just to give them a bit of context, and then I don't feel like they are misunderstanding my behaviour. Yep. I think that's a really good way of doing things. It is, but what I've also realised is I'll, I'll make that very clear or I'll establish that in whatever. It does not, doesn't just have to be work. It could be any situation. Yep. And people say, all right, cool, thanks for letting me know. And then that's as far as the conversation goes, which is okay. I don't have a problem with not talking about it any further. There's, I don't want to make a big fuss out of something that doesn't need to. But then their understanding doesn't go any further than just acknowledging it. Yeah. So they won't then think, right, what does this person mean by that? How does that actually impact them? What does this mean for me? And I'm not trying to say it's everybody's responsibility to accommodate people all the time but it kind of also is like should it really be our jobs to educate others on how they should listen better or how they should be more accommodating well not really I think it should kind of meet in the middle but what I often find is people don't go out of the way to learn anything more about it which doesn't which just makes it feel pointless and it's like I've told you something quite personal and it kind of feels a bit wasted because it's not changed anything about your behaviour, it's not changed your understanding of me because you don't know anything about it. You've not gone out of your way to find out. And it's a difficult one because you don't want to be telling people, you know, you you need to go and educate yourself on my problem. But you've got, there's got to be some middle ground, I think, particularly in the workplace and in and in education, I think. And I think that's a big issue for me. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely mirror that. I, I, I've seen that and I do find that because I don't understand why you wouldn't want to find out. So if somebody tells me something, I, I want to find out, I want to be there to alongside them as an ally to, to help them. Whereas, I don't know, people, maybe people are just so consumed with their daily lives that just to Google something, it takes five minutes just to get an idea of what that means. 
Uh, and it's something that uh, the Enigma Group created this neurodiversity handbook, which was to address a lot of that shortfall that we find in, in, in various sort of places, you know. Uh, so, so then, as a presenter and producer then, what do you sort of see as your strengths then as a result of dyspraxia that you bring to the table? Well, I think that's a really good question because I recently heard a, another podcast, nothing to do with dyspraxia at all, but um, about a young woman, a businesswoman actually, and she's got something called dysgraphia, which is um, similar, well, it's got some similar traits to dyspraxia, but the way that impacts her is writing. Writing is a really big problem for her. And she talked about it, obviously being a businesswoman, you know, you need to be able to communicate and write and present, etc. And she found it a really big problem. So her first sort of tactic was to think, right, I'm going to get better at writing. I'm going to practice and practice and practice. I'm going to get better. And obviously, if you've got something like dyspraxia, dysgraphia, dyslexia, you are never, let's be honest, you're never going to train yourself out of having it. You're all, it's always going to be there. You can develop... Yeah. Um, Strategies you can yeah. you can make create aids that help things, but ultimately it's never going to change the fact that you are the way you are. It's not exactly so. But, but what she did eventually, she came to the conclusion that actually, instead of me trying to correct this issue of hers, she thought actually I'm just going to really focus on the good bits, and I'm going to work really hard at them because I'm wasting my energy trying to change something that isn't going to change. Yeah. So I think that's really important to be able to acknowledge, and it comes through a lot of self, um, what's the word, a bit of self-exploration and thinking, hang on a minute, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And you don't actually have to change the things you're not good at, which I think I try to do for ages. And it's like, actually, it's all right. You don't need, you don't need to change, actually. And, and also an interesting thing that because really finding the strengths in your neurodiversity is only a recent thing for me to come understand because naturally we jump towards the sort of negatives the things that we find challenging because that's that is what the the symptoms are N nobody lists dyspraxia with the the positives in terms of a medical diagnosis they're not, they're not going to look at where that spiky profile is where you're really good at some things uh, where that, that makes up for the shortfall in, in others so so then on the other side if we flip it around what would you find is your are your challenges the things that perhaps that that make things for people who listening there that don't have dyspraxia what are the the sort of challenges that perhaps you have the best way an analogy i like to use for people who are non neurodivergent is for me and this will obviously vary from person to person as does anything Dyspraxia is a bit like having a hangover, but without the alcohol and the headache. So you're a bit like, oh, I'm not really with it sometimes. Um, yeah. How do I describe it? Yeah, it's kind of just like, when imagine you're hungover, you're not quite thinking straight. Things just take a split second longer for you to, to get. You'll start writing and it doesn't really make sense what you've written. And sometimes your words will slur and you can't really remember what you were going to say. Genuinely, I'm not exaggerating. That is pretty much what it's like for me every day on a variable basis and like I say I'm sure that varies not everyone will experience the same thing but it is like 
you just have slowed down. You, you, your brain is kind of thinking at a certain pace, but your body doesn't, your body, your mouth, your, your everything else doesn't communicate in the same way. Like it doesn't connect quick enough. And, and that means, you know, for a lot of people, are really bad at sport because they just can't coordinate properly oh. and the delays yeah, yeah the delays there so you can be coming come across in a really physical way it can come across in a community i can't even say the word it com- can come across in the way that you communicate um so it affects everything and yeah. it can really really get you down it really gets me down particularly my memory my inability to grasp pretty basic things all the time and you can get away with it i say get away with it you know in your first first few days of a new job let's say or a new situation because people give you the benefit of the doubt and then you're just paranoid that they're thinking is this person taking the make like are they actually paying attention do they really want to be here and then that's when the sort of like that's when the issues come up for me because I'm like oh you feel bad you feel conflicted you don't want to say anything and going back to what you said earlier about talking about it it's really funny and I I think this probably affects younger people or it affects me anyway. There's this term called, which I'm sure we're all well aware of, the snowflake generation that are known for making it a big deal out of nothing. And I'm really hyper aware of that. And I feel really self-conscious about talking about dyspraxia because I think, are people going to think I'm making a really big fuss out of this and almost not exaggerating but like I don't know what the right phrasing is really but I don't I worry of what people are going to think of me yeah. and, if, and, and if they're thinking that I'm using it as an excuse and I'm sure right. and I'm aware that a lot of this might just be in my head and I'm not blaming anyone else for this mindset of mine yeah. but I do I can't lie that it's something that I think about and I, for that reason I, I don't I feel a bit embarrassed to talk about it because I'm like, are people going to look at me and think, oh God, here we go. Another millennial, another Gen Z just whining and not just cracking on with things. And I mean, I think that's a result though of quite a a negative culture and particularly with, I, I grew up uh, a mixed forces and stuff and, and also grew up in the family and Fife and you weren't allowed to, I wouldn't have been allowed to, to really talk about the, these things for for peer pressure. I mean, dyspraxia wouldn't be something that I could have. I, I wouldn't have been able to have that in the forces as a label. I wouldn't have been able to have that in the drug enforcement agency later on as a label. So I think culturally what's happened is we created this really negative culture where people can't speak and be themselves. And now when we're trying to address that, what we're getting is, you know, you feeling guilty about actually just being ourselves. Uh, and I get that as well because I feel sometimes that I've got to be this thing that I'm not. You know, I've got to be the strength in this 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 part that's not dyspraxia. And it's only sort of recently that I'm I'm really coming to terms and understanding and and telling people like, you might not see these things because I will not show you them. I will do my best so that you do not see them or I'll have a coping mechanism because I mean, I'm 45, so I've lived this a long time. So I've developed all these different strategies. But a lot of it, you know, is hiding that stuff is what I'm coming to realise really from speaking to you now is that I'm hiding a lot of the things that you're you're talking about. I'm just soldiering on and hiding it and just not wanting to, I guess, I'm, is, it, is it that I'm not wanting to accept it or am I not willing... Because one of the things that, that we can get in this, because there's a bit of a crossover with ADHD, is rejection dysphoria. It's that fear of being rejected because we're different, maybe? Absolutely. 
I would agree. And it's interesting, there is definitely a cultural difference and I think that's like a generational thing. Yeah. It's funny, I think it's really funny because like how you just described, you would like, oh, I'd never talk about it because I'm scared, you know, fear of rejection. Now it's kind of the other way around. Like people, it does seem to be way more talked about and embraced. But I think for that reason, it does kind of put you off because you're like, oh, am I just, I don't want people to think I'm doing it just to kind of fit in with this narrative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly, because that's exactly how I felt because one of the things, first things of when I came up to understand my dyspraxia was I put on our health and wellbeing channel, which was open to tons of people, I put a, 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 basically a letter out saying, this is what I've discovered about myself and this is who I am and where I am. And after sending that, that's what I was worried about. The folk might just think, what is this? somebody just doing this because it's trendy or, or because Absolutely. it helps adds protection for them or something uh, and and that's I must admit I was really sort of in the back of my mind going was that the right thing to do but on the back of that though lots of people got in touch and said you know what thanks for finding the strength to do that because I too have this but I don't have the courage to talk about it yet or I'm not I'm not there yet uh, but reading that made me feel better and then I felt a bit better then I had pretty much the same experience with the documentary honestly I was so nervous and I was was just upset I was like I felt embarrassed about what people going to think I genuinely was really worried about it and then when it went out oh honestly like I had me and my colleague um, my friend Steve we had literally hundreds of messages um, tweets emails everything from people from all over the country who had heard it and not one, there was nothing. All those things that I was thinking, none of that was confirmed or reaffirmed by yep. one of these people messaging me. Everyone, basically, I echo what you just said, you know, they were saying, thank you so much for talking about this. My kid's just been diagnosed or I, I think I've got this and I've never had been tested. And it was amazing. And I think you really think, oh, wow, you know, by me talking about this or not just me, but the people as well on the documentary, through their stories, you can help others as well. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. But it's funny you you feel so you feel so um, exposed. It's, it's it's like the there's a what they call it now. You feel so exposed, and there's this phrase in psychology I think called like the spotlight spotlight syndrome. Yeah, where you think everyone is looking at you, and you think yeah. everyone is judging you, and you can't. And it's not being it's not about being selfish or like self consumed. Well, it is sort of self consumed, but not in a selfish way. But you're like so paranoid that people are looking at you all the time and in reality they're probably not and they are thinking wow actually I'm so glad that you talked about that and I didn't realise X, Y, Z so I think a lot of it is challenging your own beliefs self-limiting beliefs that probably aren't real spotlight syndrome I'm actually taking a note of that right now I've never heard of that but I totally relate to that. Is that 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 feeling that you know that everyone is reading this, like that feeling when this podcast goes out, everyone is 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 listening to this, picking it apart and seeing what what uh, what 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 damage they could do to me as a result of, of being so exposed. But yeah, the reality is a lot of that's kind of catastrophic thinking that's in our heads, uh, really. I mean, th- there is a divide. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the world's not full of of great uh, amazing people, but. The, ma- the majority of people are though the majority of people have good intentions and they, they want to get along with one another so yeah every, I think majority of people as you say have got good intentions and I think the only reason that there is this disparity between people not knowing and knowing just A lack of education yeah but the reason for that B is unless you 
know somebody who has a learning difficulty, has a disability, it doesn't matter what that is, we don't even need to talk, you know, relate this directly to dyspraxia, it could be anything, you're never going to understand it and you're never going to think twice about it. As an example, I haven't got anyone in my immediate space, family, who has a wheelchair. So I might go to an event, have a great time and not think, hang on a minute, there's no accessibility here for someone with a disability, a physical disability. But yet that person who has got a wheelchair, they can't get into that venue. But it doesn't cross my mind and I just carry on and having a great time because it doesn't, it has nothing to do with me and it doesn't enter my mind that that's an issue for somebody. You know, so but that person in that wheelchair thinking nobody thinks about me, yep. and it's not that we people purposefully think I'm just going to disregard this person's needs. It's just that if it doesn't really affect them, it's just human nature. You yeah, know, it's it, like, it doesn't it doesn't cross their mind. It, we're not exposed to that, but interestingly, though, media is a big part of exposure with these things, though, aren't they? they and now, recently, particularly over COVID, I think that representation is getting better. But I think that's one of the things is why it isn't sort of talked about is that, that was, we always had these ideals on on TV and mental health has always been a good example of where the the mental health sort of people with mental health issues are, are portrayed quite often as violent, unpredictable characters. Where actually the reality is quite the opposite. Generally, you know, uh, the majority will be starting to become socially reclusive and, and stuff, and it further compounds the issue. And it's yeah, I think media plays a big part in how we make it, make that fair representation. It does, and I think one, um, I don't know if it's an issue, but one thing I've seen or acknowledged in when it comes to representation is that you more often see the more extreme examples of representation, shall we yeah. say? In any form, and I'm not just talking about disability, literally yeah. anything you can think of, any ism or illity yeah. word you want to put onto that, it's always the extreme version that you see yeah. out there. So when it comes to, like, as an example, dyslexia, dyspraxia, which are can be more moderate, if you is moderate yeah. the right word? Let's, let's let's say they are less extreme because you know you can still more or less live a normal life. Yeah, it's a but spectrum. it doesn't really affect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the spe- exactly. Yeah. So you you don't tend to see kind of that middle ground or that something like dyspraxia, which is quite hidden. Yeah. Hence why I think it doesn't get talked about because it's not very obvious at all. And it's um, interesting so that- because when we're talking just about the levels there, that uh, a loved one said to me, uh, "You don't have uh, dyspraxia. I know someone with dyspraxia, and they struggle to put their clothes on." I said, well, mm. well that, that's a very... You've met one person with dyspraxia. I mean, you've just totally dismissed my whole lived experience in that, that, and that sentence. Literally, yeah, that goes against the whole point. Of, like, yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And I think that's the thing... Where, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm probably being a bit, like, maybe extreme myself in, in acknowledging that, but I do sometimes feel like, you know, there's no... If it's not in, in media, things kind of only make the headlines and make the top spots and, and all that when it's quite not sensationalized, but like quite impactful. And yeah. usually those stories are, are from people who have had, you know, a really am- amazing experience or a really terrible experience. And if it's not really hitting one of those, you know, either end, yeah. it doesn't really get talked about as much. And I think. Yeah. Perhaps that's sort of the issue because in, in let's take for example in school or in the workplace, 
people are much more accommodating of physical disabilities now, which is really good. It's amazing, yeah. and that should continue and, and, and only get better. Like there's still a lot of you know growth to be made there. But when it comes to the non-visible stuff, because it is non-visible naturally, it just doesn't really get talked about or acknowledged as much. Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good point. Is is non-visible sort of disability from from anything from neurodiversity, from mental health, uh, even for example, I have uh, inflammatory bowel diseases and another another thing that I have that's in, invisible. People don't don't uh, understand that they don't know about it. And, and like you saying, because you look okay from the outside, you could be falling apart on the inside, but because that portrayal in the outside looks okay. Uh, everyone just makes these assumptions or forms these assumptions. Absolutely. And that, the thing is, that's the same for anything. Like, you know, we're talking about dyspraxia today, but really, when what you just said, you could apply to anything. Mental yeah. health, absolutely anything. Yeah. So I, I think one of the things I like to round up on is if you were to give someone advice uh, about dyspraxia, or I think another way of looking at it is, if you were to tell your 10-year-old self or give your 10-year-old self some advice, what might that be? And it's a totally on-the-spot question. It's not meant to be easy. Oh, no, <laughs> no. And it's, it's making me well up a little bit just thinking about it, to be honest. Okay. But I, if I could go back and say anything to my 10-year-old self, it would be, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, I can I can feel that that emotion. Yeah. Because, honestly, I can't tell you how much you beat yourself up for yeah. not being good at something. And yep. you know what? When you're in it, and the worst, I think sometimes the worst time is when you're in school or you're quite young. Because when you're in school, what really matters to you is fitting in, you know? Yeah, And, yeah, and having does. a group of friends. Yeah, yep. that, they're the sort of things that mean more to you. Less so perhaps when you're an adult, but, you yeah. know, depends on the person. And when you're different for whatever reason, whether it's a disability, whether it's because yeah. of your size or your hair or yeah. your anything, you bully yourself yeah. probably more than people around you. And that honestly is so toxic and it, it makes you just dis- it makes you dislike yourself for who you are. Yeah. And as I said earlier, you can you can't change who you are when when it comes to anything you know, anything like dyspraxia. It's just the way you are, it's the way your brain's wired. So why is it we torture ourselves and you know say you're rubbish at this and you're you're yep. terrible at that and and beat ourselves up and try and change ourselves like it, it it's kind of crazy that we do that <laughs> more so than anyone else in this we're all our own worst critics I know that yep. but if there is one thing that I'd say to myself it's you know what don't beat yourself up yeah and it's I do that that imposter syndrome the advice I'd give my ten your old self and it's it is emotional it is that you'll be all right you, yeah. you'll, you'll be okay you'll get through this it's not gonna be easy but you, you you'll get through it uh and 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 unfortunately i can say that now at 45 but i can't imagine what it'd be like to do all again and to, to do all having a label of dyspraxia what would that be like i wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the things that i had done because people back then particularly would have said no you can't do that because of this label i agree and sometimes i do i do wonder how healthy labels are in any in any situation i obviously didn't have the said label until i was 19 and i'm sort of glad so even though it's 
could be perceived as a negative thing to not get diagnosed till later on in your life, no matter what age that might be for you. I guess one thing that I am quite thankful for, in a sense, is that not being diagnosed meant I just carried on regardless and I just made things work. Yes, it meant working a lot harder than others around me. Yes, it meant finding alternative ways of doing things and, and developing my own ways around, you know, changing a light bulb or whatever that I struggle with, you know. Yeah. Like, that's quite healthy because you just learn to cope and you learn to fill in those gaps for yourself. Whereas perhaps with a label, maybe I would be less inclined to do that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that that rounds up the, the the podcast. And thank you very much for coming on. I do know that the, the documentary, My Distracted Life, isn't currently available on iPlayer, but hopefully, or BBC Sounds, hopefully it'll be, be there back again soon. I am, I've definitely got it... Uh, bookmarked and we'll, we'll, we'll pop that in the show notes but thank you it's been amazing having you on and and to have that honesty uh and and emotion too not a problem sam thanks so much for having me and for sharing a bit of your story as well thanks for tuning in to the enigma podcast hosted and produced by me simon macon graphics and research by lena hake And the music for this podcast is called Enigma by Unwritten Stories, available on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for tuning in and stay safe.